Hello, good listener. Steve here with a quick message before we start the show. Today's episode was recorded before the Supreme Court's landmark decision to overturn Roe v. Wade. This is a show that celebrates the good that is out there. This is the good that is for everyone. And we don't usually get too political here, which is a little ironic when you consider what today's show is all about. You'll hear that in a second. But that said, we want to make something very clear. We stand with the majority of our country that believes in a woman's right to choose, a woman's right to choose what she wants to do with her own body, a woman's autonomy over her own body. And we pledge to fight the good fight, whether it be this issue or any other that comes up for the greater good for all of us. World Gone Good will continue to elevate the good for everyone, whether you are male or female, whether you identify as male or female, gay or straight, whatever your ethnicity or background, we believe in the good in you and in our world. Now, let's get this good going. Kate, aka Girl with a Microphone, and you are entering a world gone good. Well, hello, my name is Steve, and this is the place where we shine the light into the darkness to prove this world of ours is still pretty darn good. Have you subscribed to our show wherever you are listening right now? Go do it. I'll wait. I'll hum our theme song until you get back. And while you're at it, give us a quick rating and review. I know this theme song by heart. I'll keep everyone entertained humming it. When you subscribe, rate, and review us, you help new people find this here good pod. And then they can learn how to hum our theme song. And that, people, that is worth it. As always, for sharing, subscribing, rating, and reviewing. See it through sharing in too. We say thank you. Okay, so today we are diving back into the scary zone of, brace yourselves, politics. Wait, wait, wait. Don't turn off the episode. Be brave. Come on, stick it out with me. I promise. It'll be a good time. We've gotten our good on with our political side before, remember? We spent some good time with Johnny Brookbank talking about his good and not so good time seated on his own city council. And our very first episode ever with Faith Saley was all about protesting in a kind of hilarious way. Today, we're going to lean into the kind of hilarious way with a woman who sees herself more as a good agitator than a good activist. She is Kate, and she must be doing something right because 85,000 followers on Instagram alone are digging her good agitated ways. And it all started when she picked up a microphone. So there have been times since I started this podcast where I have reached out to strangers, including people who have squirrels as roommates and a woman who repairs teddy bears. And this is one of those times two complete strangers come together because of the gloriousness that is the interwebs a boy with a microphone is now meeting a girl with a microphone. Is there anything else we have to do, Kate, or can we just end the show right here? I feel like we've we've hit. That, yeah. I mean, that's it, right? If we've come full circle. <laughs> we've reached the end of the internet. It's done. <laughs> Your podcast is over. Congratulations. <laughs> You're welcome, Earth. <laughs> so let's start here. 
where did this all start? You you just got a microphone one day. You wanted to uh, playfully disrupt things. You wanted to be an <laughs> activist. What happened? Tell my audience what happened. Yeah, sure. So, um, I I mean, I had always been very political and very annoying about it, but. In 2020, when the election was ramping up, uh, I noticed that there was a very obnoxious group of Trump supporters that were outside uh, a supermarket in a town nearby like every single week. And at the same time, I also saw this really cool karaoke microphone on TikTok and my wife bought it for me. So I was like, oh, man, it'd be so funny to drive by and say some funny stuff about Donald Trump and, you know, just post it for our friends. I had no intention on that first video, A, of of doing it another time or B, of anyone seeing it besides my, like, 200 followers. Um, yeah, that was actually on September 11th was the first one, oh, wow. 2020. And uh, we were just on our way to our friend's house and happened to be driving by this this group. And we did it. And I published it, went, hung out with our friends. And by the time we got back home, it was like on fire. So happened pretty quickly. Are we are you recording right now on said microphone or have you evolved? <laughs> like, that's the question I really have about you. Like, how many microphones are there? Is there like a microphone for Monday and a microphone for Tuesday? Like, how does it work? Uh, I am I am I am not on my microphone right now. I'm on my podcasting microphone because I do also have a podcast. But I am on the second generation of the microphone because um in 2020 I did an auction to raise money for the Georgia Senate races, and I auctioned off the first microphone um, to raise money. So I am on my second my second generation at the moment. Do you miss that microphone? <laughs> um, no, it was for a good cause, and I was happy to do it. And the person who won it was thrilled. And the new one is like uh, like a neon purple, which is really pretty. So I'm totally I'm totally um, over the first generation and on. To the You've next. moved on from that relationship. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but you got to keep looking forward. Exactly. Now, speaking of which, you that was one of your biggest fundraisers. You over ten grand mm-hmm. you made for mm-hmm. that Georgia twenty two. 2022, 2020, I'll get English down, Senate race. (laughs) What was it about that? Are you in Georgia? Is that the spark or you just wanted to support the cause? Um, I I was really, I really wanted to support the cause because that was the tipping point for us to get the Senate majority. And we were, we were on the cusp of picking up two blue seats in Georgia, which is kind of unheard of. Um, And there was a lot of momentum there. Uh, There was a lot of a lot of attention on Georgia anyway, because Stacey Abrams was running for governor and that got like totally stolen from her. So I wanted to do something really good for Georgia. Um, and everyone seemed to be watching that state. And so I just decided like, let's, let's freaking do it. At that point, I had a few celebrities who followed me. And so I reached out to them and I got items from a bunch of them, which was awesome. Um, and then I also opened it up to, other followers who, you know, could give away services or crafts or, or fine art and things like that. Um, and yeah, it came together. And over a couple of days, we, we raised $10,000 to donate to split between John Ossoff and uh, Raphael Warnock's campaigns. And they both won. 
They both did win. And what I love, I love about you doing what you did is like you took something that you are playfully passionate about and turned it into an activist movement. Do you, do you see yourself as an activist? Do you wear that as a a badge of pride or is it just, are you like a, like a, like a shy activist? Like I know you're not, but Uh, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, no, I'm not. I would say I'm not shy about anything. I, I like to consider myself an agitator (laughs) more than an activist. Um, especially online. I think I, I, I'm not, I'm not very good at trying to keep everybody happy. And, and I mean, it happens in my comment section where people get annoyed with me. Mostly when I try to hold Joe Biden accountable for things, president, president Biden accountable for things. Um, so I think I'm, I'm more of, I'm more of an agitator, a shit stirrer, um, and just I'm I'm the kind of person that will do and say things that other people won't. So I mean, and and, and that does fall under activism. There's a lot of lanes for that, um, but I think definitely agitator, antagonist, <laughs> things like that line up better with me than uh, just straight up activist. But I love that about you because there's an accountability there. And I think this this mm-hmm. idea that like we're going to find this perfect candidate and we're all going to align with every single thing our candidate believes in is a bunch of right. bullshit. I think yeah. that you have to, of course, have your big ticket items, but also understand, hey, we're not all going to get along on this. But that doesn't reserve or prevent me rather, I guess, from saying, hey, I'm not happy about this issue. You're still my person and I'm still yeah. going to go with you on this, but this part I'm not uh, you know, so happy about. So there's like an accountability factor, would you say, that you push? Yeah, for, for sure. And I think that, and what I've stressed to, to my followers when they, when they kind of bite back at me for doing that is, this is the beauty of the Democratic Party is that we aren't all in lockstep on every single thing. Like our diversity is our strength. And also there has to be a point where we can question the people we elected or we're just the Republicans following behind and right off a cliff, you know? Of course, of course. Um, And on that note, do you think that a lot of people, well, (laughs) I think, I love when I do this too. I'm like, do you think? I think that a lot of people hide behind the social media platforms, almost putting like an image of themselves out there, right? There's that, mm-hmm. the real self, and then there's my sort of celebritized self that I yeah. put out there. You know what I mean? I put my filters on my pictures. I, mm-hmm. you know, make everyone believe that I'm going on these fantastic vacations. Everyone thinks I have a six pack of abs. None of these yeah. are true. Right. Do you find that people in responding to you respond in that matter that you question sometimes? Would you really say this to my face? Oh my God. Uh, like so much. And it's, I mean, it's usually not the people that, that actually follow me. Obviously I get, I get a ton of, a ton of people pushing back and saying things that, you know, they would never say in person. And I often respond with, you know, I hope you think back on this and and blush because they're just... It's it's just jaw dropping the kind of stuff that that I have heard over the last couple years for sure. Um, but I do think that it helps that I'm not I'm not one of those aspirational social media people. Like I I don't filter usually right. unless it's funny, like a you know a Karen hair filter or something like that. Right. So I <laughs> I think because I grew up on the internet and I've been on social media since it started, like I I know. 
I know what a target that puts on your back when you try to act like you are the perfect, the perfect activist, the perfect woman, the perfect queer person, like whatever it is. And so I, I just try to be really authentic. But yes, yeah, still people say things that would, you know, curl your hair to me, <laughs> for sure. What I love about you is that you make mistakes just like I make mistakes and you own up to them. Like just recently yeah. you put up something. I don't remember what it was, but it was, you know, an untrue story or, or oh, I'm going to say the, oh, I'm gonna yeah, say the part yeah, I hate, yeah. fake news, but you yeah. own up to it. Yo, hundred percent. I think that's, that's so important because we're moving so fast and the, I will say like the right does so many ridiculous things that it's very easy to believe fake stuff. And it's very easy to think that irony or hyperbole is the truth. And so I don't just, I try my best to not just take things down. I, I then put up something else saying that what I shared was wrong or fake or whatever, whatever the actual truth is, because even though we're moving fast, I don't want to be a source of misinformation, even if it's funny, even if it makes people feel better. Like we, we have to hold ourselves to a higher standard on, on our side. Yeah. And I think that helps other people hold themselves to a higher standard. I hope so. <laughs> in, in a perfect world. Yeah. What do you think is, I mean, so many people, they want to be activists, but I don't know whether, do you think Americans are lazy? Do you think we're, I mean, <laughs> look, I'm being blunt here. Like anybody who's listening yeah. to my note show, like, again, you talk about aspirational people come to world gone good and they expect me to be like, and now everyone, I'm going to show you how to provide clean water to everyone in India. No, I'm not. I'm going to tell you the truth. Right. So do you, do you think that? Um, well, I will say that for context, I, I lived in France for a little while and I mean, those people know how to protest. And I, and so like the, the juxtaposition is interesting, but also in, in France and in Europe, they're not worried about healthcare or like the crushing weight of medical bills or the crushing, um, taxing toll of no vacation like from their job. So I I don't think that we're lazy. I think that we're exhausted. Yeah. Um I and I think that we're we're just in a different place than than a lot of other than a lot of other countries that seem to have a lot more vigor. That being said, I mean, in the last few years, I mean, the Black Lives Matter movement specifically has been incredible and showing that we're not lazy and even if we are tired we can still we can still make a lot of great things happen. So I I think I think we're tired and I think we're also too big as a country. Like there's we're just huge and it's hard to get any sort of cohesive movement going and staying on track in a place that's just massive. Like just there's just we're just too big. I agree with all that and I think there's a certain amount of um, and we certainly felt this during the pandemic of being beaten down. And yes. um, it's just too many things at once. And you kind of like, okay, yes. you sort of just go into like, the, I'm going to just, I'm going to be over here in the fetal position behind the bed. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and if you yeah. need me. I mean, mental mental me. health is like, mental health is at an all time low, I think globally, right? But especially here where we're, we're coming off of four years of of just constant bad news with Trump, right? And then we just backslide into COVID and you know, there's the the school shootings just don't stop now that all the kids are back in school and it's like it's too much. It's it's just too much for people to process. And so I 
I am so, um, so proud of all the people who are still able to do some kind of activism or some kind of service for people outside of their own families because we're all we're all in survival mode right now and i don't i don't know when that's going to stop so shout out to the people who are still still out there making doing the good work i don't know where they're where where they're getting the energy do you think that the world is still good yeah, I do. I and I think I've been thinking actually a lot about that lately, specifically the way that Democrats versus Republicans look at the world and look at people. And I'm really happy to be on the side that gives people the benefit of the doubt and thinks that people are mostly acting in good faith. Because I think on the Republican side, they just sort of villainize everyone who doesn't agree with them and they assume the worst, right? They assume that Oh, well, we can't have laws because everyone will just go around the laws. You know, like when with gun control. If we if we have this ban or we have to do background checks, then everyone will find other evil ways to get guns. Like they just they kind of assume the worst of people as an excuse to not do anything or try anything or attempt to make anything a little bit better. So, it makes me happy to be on the side that cares about people and also still has like a sliver of hope that we might that we might get out of this. Well rage hopefully. rage and anger are not solutions. They're just no. they're just emotions. Uh, yeah. Just like anything else. And sometimes when people say, oh this party's weak but that party's strong. And I'm like, really? Is that how you mm. like is that how you see the world? I think it is. And I I think that, I mean, for me, it all comes down to like also how people are raised. And I think that we are seeing like, be, like because of Trump and because of everything since then, we are seeing what a crisis we are in mental health wise. And so much of that stems from like your family. And so I think even now, like people are raised to believe that like anger is strength, right? right? And like crying is weakness. So, so seeing Trump just being horrible for some people that resonates because they grew up in, in that same kind of like anger and chaos. Right. And so, yeah, I, I do think that the anger is coming off as strength to a lot of people. And I hope that on, on our side, and I, I think we are doing this, that the anger and rage is good because we can channel it. But I hope we're also like finding a way to sort of release it <laughs> and not just carry it with us until it, you know, kills us. And education, right? Mm -hmm. Education's got to play into this. I think that's one of the biggest things. I think that the the beating down constantly, even down to the school shootings, making families and kids scared to go to school prevents them from ever wanting to become educated because it's scary. Yeah. Yep. hundred percent. Now let's just say this too. So you and I are on the same page here because there's a lot of listeners who listen to me who may not be Democrats, who might be Republicans. We both know that. There oh, are wow. Very <laughs> How dare <laughs> you? No. Um, no, but if I, if I, if I looked at the split of my audience, I, I don't think that there are very many Republicans that, that follow me. So hello friends. Yeah, friends because you're, well, cause you're politically, you're, you're a politically motivated uh, person and you're a politically motivated activist and that's fantastic. But what I'm saying is yeah. we can both agree there's good and bad on both sides. I know I sound like fuckface, our old president, <laughs> but there are Republicans out there 
who don't stand for this. There are Republicans out there who don't oh, believe 100%. this. And there's also shitty Democrats. You know? Oh my God. Don't even get me started there. For me, that's like the biggest sin of all. But yes, you're you're completely right. And and I think that I th- I think that most normal everyday people who vote Republican, to some degree, they they have just ingested something that makes them think that voting against their own interests will somehow in the long run be better for them and their family. And so I can't it's frustrating and I don't know how to talk. I don't know how to convince them otherwise, but I have compassion for the fact that they're they're just trying to do what's best for their family with the information they have. And that is a po- that's politicians' fault and lack of education. Exactly. And also I feel that there is a an idea that if someone gets what I have, then I have less. Correct. Yeah, the scarcity mindset. And it's not. It's if someone mm-hmm. gets what I have, I'm happy for them. It doesn't take it's not like you came into my bank account, you you made five dollars. I have five dollars less. It doesn't work that way. As they always say, it's right. not pie, right? Right, exactly. And I mean this is this isn't an accident, right? Like the Republicans have been working on this, like the the politicians have been working on like sucking the empathy out of people for decades. Yes. And the internet, the internet has just accelerated that. And now it's it's at a point where if you if you care about anything, the the right will just write you off as pandering. There is no way to care without being pandering, without being political. And it's it's this cynicism that that like permeates the the party and i it's it's hard to break through it it's just hard to break through it but what do you say to people who say to you well you're a cynic for saying that <laughs> um <laughs> right? i think the i think the i think the facts are on my side i mean i i am terminally online as as the kids say these days and I mean, any any time that specifically like a, a politician does something or or a celebrity like like Meghan Markle going to Uvalde. I mean, she was she was dressed down. She had a hat on. She didn't have photographers with her at all. No one even knew she was there until she was gone, and then they realized who it was. But her just going and like laying flowers for these kids that had di- just died that week was considered pandering. Like they they're they're just. There's just a very they're very good at spinning things and I I wish that wasn't true. I wish I was just being cynical, but I think th- I think that I'm right on this, Steve. I think I'm right. <laughs> That's what I say. We talk about this on the show all the time about being right or having a relationship and sometimes you <laughs> sometimes you can't have both. But in this yeah. case, I think we're going to let you be right on this one. Um Oh my god, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> let me ask you this, getting back to a little bit of a lighter note here. Um mm-hmm. Are you the funny one in your family? No one in my family would agree with me if I said yes. (laughs) I think we all think we're the funny one in my family. Um, And I (laughs) that makes me think of this time one of my cousins came to visit. And she said to me after like spending the day with me and my brother and sister, and she was like, I'm so angry right now because – I'm the funny one in my town. She's like, I'm the funny one in my school. And then I come here and I'm like chopped liver next to you guys. So like it's a it's a family competition to be to be the funniest in the room. And that's that's how I that's how I happened. Oh my gosh. When my father <laughs> passed away, my father was a very sharp, funny guy. And my father yeah. passed away and um uh 
and I'll tell you why I'm telling you this in a second, but uh, my sister gave a, a, a eulogy and then my brother's a pianist and he played this beautiful medley of, uh, he took my dad's favorite song and he turned it into this like beautiful thing because my brother is a great pianist and yeah. artist. And then I got, it was my turn and I came up because I'm the youngest and I was putting the microphone on and my brother had to walk kind of across everybody from the, you know, where the piano had been. And as I'm putting the microphone on, I just say out loud, cause it's me. I go, yeah, I can play the piano like that. I just don't want to. <laughs> and a hundred people exploded laughing. And I looked up and I was embarrassed for myself, right? Like, oh my God, why did I just say that out uh, right, loud? That's my stupid right. mouth, right? Um, yeah. My mother later told me, oh my God, it was so beautiful because we were all crying. And then you said the funniest thing. And one, yeah. one of my dad's best friends came up to me and said, you are the funniest human on planet earth. And my sister Aww. who was standing nearby came up to me and she was like, she was dead, sir. She's like, you are not the funniest dad. Was <laughs> See, the funniest. You I'm like, here you we go. It. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you got it. You totally get it. Um, where are you going with all this? Do you have a plan? <laughs> do you want <laughs> do you see yourself running uh for office at some point? Is that a is that a part of your journey? I get that question a lot. Um, I also get demanded that I do that. <laughs> like people tell me I need to. <laughs> right. It doesn't feel like it's part of my plan. Um, mostly because I've seen and I I we need we need legislators, right? We need these elected officials, but they have to give up so much of themselves, like not just not just like compromising on things, but also like their own their own family, their own their own well-being, their own life. They get they give up so much just for like half the country to hate them no matter what they do. And I I don't know I don't know if I want to water down my message, whatever my message is, or sacrifice that much to be treated like shit the entire time that I am in office. Like just seeing that, like seeing seeing how misunderstood people are at that level and and how much hate they get is a huge turnoff. It's a huge turnoff for me. I want, you know, everyone, if you want to run for office, do it. But I I don't think I would get elected because of the shit that I've already done <laughs> for starters. And then I don't I don't want to compromise on the way that I talk and the way that I say things. So um as of right now, I don't feel like I'm gonna run for office, but I also just randomly one day picked up a microphone and everything changed. So I who who freaking knows? I I don't know. And as for like a plan, no, I don't have one. <laughs> Do you I don't have a plan, Steve. So, well, who? I mean, I love that we all. I love people who have a plan. I'm like, of course you do. You're adorable. Um, yeah, no, no, I don't have a plan. Do you get up in the morning and just a spark comes to you, or do you? What's the creative process? Is there a creative process? Yeah, um, I would say because because there's clearly there's there's not a lot of people to yell at with my microphone anymore. Now that the election's over and then COVID happened, you can hear that I have had COVID recently. Um, so now it's just like making funny videos, making political videos. The creative process is usually I am scrolling through TikTok and I hear a sound or like a like a song or whatever that's so that's something I could do. I have a funny idea that goes with it and then I email myself about it. <laughs> and so whenever I have time, 
I like sit down and go through all the emails I've sent myself, pick out a video and and just run with it. So I mean it's it's pretty spontaneous. This isn't my job. I don't make much money at all from doing this. So it's it's very much on the fly. It's your passion. Yeah, it is. And I do, and I I kind of don't want it to be my job for that reason because I see how much it kills creative people when they make creating their job to be frank. oh yeah no i know believe me i i do pr- i yeah. do production for a living and i take notes from people where i'm like huh what right and it's can you put yeah. this you know can you turn this circle into a square no <laughs> yeah 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 i'm in marketing and so like i can i can separate my my writing because i'm a, i'm a writer i'm like a trained writer um i can separate my writing from people's opinions at work. Cause I'm like, I don't give like, this is not writing I care about, right? This is just, there are no lives at stake. This is not something that I'm being really vulnerable with. And I kind of like that because then I can clock out at the end of the day. And that job provides me the the living where I can make stupid videos on TikTok and make people laugh. So a uh, question I ask a lot of my guests and my listeners are rolling their eyes right now. I'm just kidding. They're, they're excited because they love this question or I've decided they love the question. Perfect. Um, you have the microphone. I, you can That's right. That. Get your own microphone, people. Okay. <laughs> um, if you could get in a time machine and go back to, I don't know, 13, 14, 10-year-old Kate, oh, yeah. what would you say to her? What would you tell her? This is a very RuPaul question. I don't know if you watch Drag Race, but <laughs> I'm honored. She always that's, that's a high compliment, so I say thank you. <laughs> she always at the like when there's like four four contestants left, she holds up like a picture of them as a little Aww. kid. It's like, what would you say? Um I would say, I would say you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. Because at that age, I was I was writing a lot constantly and i i got away from it because i thought it was stupid or pointless or just a hobby or something that wasn't going to go anywhere or that i wasn't very good at it um so i think that i would just say you're doing what you're supposed to be doing because i don't know if it's true for everyone but i've i it seems like especially with covid which has kind of like cleared the decks and made people think a lot about how they want to live their lives. It seems like me and my friends and a lot of other people are just trying to get back to the person we were when we were 10, right? Like doing the stuff we really love and enjoy and not being so obsessed with like making making money and being part of like capitalism. So I would say keep doing what you're doing, Kate. Um, you're gay, but also, but <laughs> you'll figure that out later. <laughs> That is amazing. Heads up, though. <laughs> That's amazing because me too. Because I was always just like, what? Why am I different? Why is everyone? Yes, yes. No. I was like playing alone all the time. And I'm like, is there something wrong with me? It's like, no, I'm just gay and other people know it. Like, it's just how it is. Were you ever like, maybe maybe like me, where like people you grew up with or parents you grew up with? I had a, a very dear friend's parents who told me a couple years ago, oh, we knew you were gay. We just didn't say anything. And I was like, you could have, might have given me a clue. Right. <laughs> Um, for me, it was a total surprise, like complete, complete surprise for my family. Um, so no, but I, but internally I knew, right. And I think that I, I gave off energy with other kids my age that I was different. Um, especially like when I was younger before you get all these other like weird insecurities. So, um, yeah, but they, you know, my whole family was just completely shocked, (laughs) completely shocked. And those, those who are listening right now are like, what? (laughs) We didn't know either. (laughs) 
I know. I'm still. Su- I'm still surprised that people who follow me like don't don't know. Like at this point, most people do. But I mean, uh, as recently as like six months ago, I'd say like my wife and people would be like, "What?" Yeah, but part like, of that yeah. also is that like we're living in pansexual, polysexual, trisexual, bisexual. Mm, like there's all yeah. sorts of choices, and um, which I fucking love. You know, like yeah, be, yeah, totally. be who you want to be and just spread some love and some good. I don't think that I think that's great. Absolutely. We close these shows with three questions. Don't worry, they're easy. You know the answers. Question number one, where do people follow you? How do they find you? And plug your podcast. Yeah, okay. So uh, you can follow me on Instagram or TikTok at the girl with a microphone, the girl with a microphone, same on both. And my best friend and I from childhood, this is what I mean when we're getting back to like being a 10-year-old again, uh, we run a podcast recapping every episode of How I Met Your Mother, which is our favorite, favorite, favorite show. Um, and it's called Hey Beautiful. And you can find it everywhere you listen to podcasts. And we're on Twitter and Instagram at Hey Beautiful Pod. The final two questions can go back to anything you want to say that we already talked about or anything you just want to say. Question number one is who inspires you? Well, since we were talking about dads and and dead dads, I also have a dead dad. And he is definitely the one who inspires all of my acti- activism, my antagonism. Um, he <laughs> he hated the governor of our state growing up because he like bankrupted the the psychiatric hospital where he worked and it was a really dark time. It's in Connecticut, Governor Rowland, he's now in prison, so my dad was right. Um but my dad put on the side of his minivan in those big letters that you use like for a mailbox to put like your the numbers of a mailbox, he wrote Rowland sucks just stuck it to the side of a minivan, like just willy nilly and would drive around with it. And we would get like people flicking us off, people beeping at us. So like this shit is in my blood thanks to my dad. So I would say my dad still inspires me today to do everything I do. Hashtag team dead dads. Okay. Dead dads for life. <laughs> the, for death. The, exactly. <laughs> the final question is not even a question. It's just a statement to finish. And it goes like this. Tell me something good. My niece, this is my what I'm so, so grateful for. My niece, who is a little over one years old, um, got, got cancer in December. And she is like on the path to, it seems like full remission. Like the, the tumors have shrunk. Every Everything is pointing in the right direction that she won't even need surgery. She just got her port put in so she can go swimming this summer. Like that is that has been a cloud over me for six months. And she is finally seemingly knock on wood out of the woods. And that is that is the most good that I can that I can share with people is that the relief that my entire family is breathing right now. Thank you, Kate, for sharing your good, so good listener. What are you ready to become an activist about? Better yet, what are you ready to become a good agitator about or for or dot, 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 question mark? Next time on World Gone Good. Fundamentally, what we're doing actually is demonstrating for our young people that there's nothing wrong with who they are that they're worthy of a shelter, they're worthy of home, they're worthy of care, they're worthy of love, 
and that they're worthy of a life of their choosing. Alex Roki from the Ali Forney Center in New York City joins me to share the good mission they are on each and every day. We are talking about helping LGBTQI homeless youth, providing shelter, building community, and what happened when Golden Girl B. Arthur left the center $300,000 in her will. This and so much more. Can't wait for you to hear it. Until then, be good. 